0: Good morning, evening, afternoon to everyone around the globe. This is uh, this is a podcast that uh, myself and Kai Koenig um, have decided to do together. My name is Mark Mandel. We've got a, a working title of Two Dudes from Down Under. We're going to be talking about cofusion Flex, probably a lot of it to do with the Pacific region, so Australia and New Zealand. Uh, I'd like to introduce my my partner in crime here, uh, Kai Koenig. Happy Valentine's Day, Kai! How are you doing today?
1: Happy Valentine's Day, Mark. Thanks <laughs> a lot get... for the awesome introduction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no problem. I didn't get a Valentine's present from you today. I'm 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 a little bit upset.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think it's stuck in the mail, probably. Oh, fair you know, I'll... A fair enough. Trans Tasman mail takes a while usually to get to get over to Melbourne from here. <laughs>
0: I'll just be sitting by the door all afternoon, going, "Please, please come, please come."
1: Please come. <laughs> that sounds good, actually. <coughs> all um, right. So, um, yeah, like Mark, like Mark said, this is an experiment um, of running a podcast, basically catering for ColdFusion Flex, Java, all sorts of development technologies we are, you know, currently playing with, and um, with a bit of a focus on the Asia Pacific region. Uh, region because that's where we are based and there's, you know, way too less stuff going on in that field from my point of view.
0: Do you want to give him a bit of background on yourself so people don't know who you are?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, like Mark said, my name is Kai and I live in Wellington, New Zealand. And, you know, in case you wonder why I have that weird accent, I'm actually (coughs) from Germany originally. (laughs) Mark, stop laughing. Come on. Um, I'm from Germany originally and I moved down to New Zealand about five years ago and that's where that interesting mix of... German-English with a Kiwi flavor comes from probably, And I spend most of my time doing ColdFusion and Flex and all sorts of Adobe-related technology consulting for clients all over the place, in, mostly in Australia and New Zealand, but also we've got a few clients going on in the US and in um, in Europe.
0: Cool. Well, as I said before, my name's Mark Mandel. Um, this is going to be a, a fun podcast to listen to for probably our US counterparts, because obviously kai has got a fun accent and mine's Australian as well. So hopefully you can all understand exactly what we're saying. Um, I've been a a freelance consultant probably for the last three years, doing primarily ColdFusion work with some Java integration, stuff like that. Um, uh, We're both Adobe Adobe Community Professionals, if you get the words right, or I get in trouble. Um, And what else am I known for? Oh yeah, I do a whole bunch of open source stuff, I probably should mention that.
1: Uh, you're the, you're the guy who <laughs> is basically building all those projects that end up being redundant because <laughs> Adobe built it into a <laughs> Fusion in the next version, right? <laughs>
0: That's pretty much uh, yes. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've, for, for a long time I was known as the author of Transfer ORM. I am still the author of Transfer ORM, uh, Object Relational Mapper. Um, I'm now the lead developer on Cold Spring. Uh, I've got some other projects, uh, Java Loader, uh, Cold uh, What else have I got? A whole bunch of other bits and pieces as well. So,
1: so does that mean we're going to find Cold Spring in the next version of Cold Fusion?
0: Uh, yeah, no, I, I actually can neither confirm nor deny that rumor, but uh <laughs> <laughs> being under NDA from from Adobe. Um but I, I um, as far as I'm aware I don't I don't think so. So but uh you know anything's possible in the future and who knows. Uh it's uh, it has been known to happen that uh Things things of mine have managed to slip into Adobe Call of Fusion. Yeah, I
1: think uh, we, need to, we need to divert the the discussion away from that topic a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: uh, to keep it on safe lines, because I think you could you could actually say it if you if you ever look at my blog. Uh, I think I've already mentioned this in another podcast, but uh, if you look on my blog, one of the first <laughs> posts I ever made was a post about um, an enhanced XML transform function. Ah. That, um, that I think it was around, it would have been around ColdFusion 7 or ColdFusion 6 when that came out. And um, I was doing a bunch of stuff with XSL and I wanted to be able to do some more modular stuff. So you needed, back in the day, you could only do um X-ray transformations on, you had to have CF filed it up, so you had to have it in memory when you were doing it. Yeah. So in XSL, you could actually do stuff where you're like, you know, here's a module and it's in this location. Um, and you could do relative paths and stuff like that. Um, but you couldn't do that if you're doing that. So if you pulled it into memory, it had no no real sense of where it was. There was no context for it. So I was like, nah, screw that. Uh, I'll write my own, and I threw it up my blog post so that you could do XML transform, and you could be like, my XML file's over there. Here's a file path. My XSLT file's over there. Here's another file path. Um, or you could pass in, you know, just in memory variables and it would work too. And then strangely enough in the next version of Cold Fusion it did exactly that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think you should ask for royalties or something like that. So. It's obviously <laughs> your technology. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, basically I wrote a CF wrapper for some XML stuff that was written in Java. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's certainly my technology. <laughs> But um, oh, We should probably both also mention that uh, uh, I'm the chief instigator or the chief officer or whichever title my conference planner tells me to use at any given day. The Objective ANZ and Kai's on the steering committee as well.
1: Yeah, I'm the guy who's have, have, trying to put together the agenda and you know trying to get people all from all over the world come to Australia <laughs> for those two days, basically. Yep. So...
0: Um, do we want to talk about that real quick, since I just kind of segued into it?
1: About the conference? Yeah, why not? Yeah, sure. Let's have a maybe. Let's you know go back quickly to uh, last year's conference because it's not really too long too too long That's ago. I mean, it's just like three months ago away, basically. So it was a success, wasn't it? I think it I, it was an I, awesome I th- event, actually.
0: I'm actually bringing up the website now so I can look at the schedule and I can remember what people were talking
1: about. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean right. the. Last year's CF objective ANZ was basically the second one we did. And um, I think we improved on all fronts, to be honest. So we had an awesome agenda. Not that, you know, first year's agenda was bad, but second year's agenda was awesome as well. Um, I'm just saying that because you
0: put it together, let's be honest. Exactly. (laughs) Um,
1: We have... Had a much better venue last year, I think, oh, yeah. than Venues the year before. Yeah, so the year. the ridges was really a nice place to run the conference in terms of the um, the sessions, in terms of the audio visuals, in terms of the internet. Yep. Basically, everything was just way smoother. Yep. Definitely. Um, and we increased in size, right? We had more yeah. attendees than in the first year.
0: And we had um, pre-conference workshops too.
1: True. Very good point. Double, yes, double we well did. Well attended. Yeah, we did like three pre-conference workshops on day zero, including, and that was quite yeah. successful.
0: Yeah, including the uh, the incredibly famous Charlie Earhart, who was doing a workshop with us, and and it was a speaker as well.
1: This this workshop was actually the largest, and it was, it was. I think he had like um, thirteen or fourteen people in there, which is quite yeah, good, totally really.
0: Yeah, the stats, but I think that's about right. We had really yeah. good we had really good attendance for workshops, which was really good. Uh, I was quite happy considering the size of uh, So I mean, we were sort of around the seventy five people mark all up and you know, we had about sort of anywhere between eight and ten or in Charlie's case more than that. At each conference, at each uh, each session, um, for, for pre conference. I mean that's you know, that's nigh on sort of ten percent of the, the conference attendees, which I think is a pretty good pretty good rate.
1: Totally. And it, it shows clearly that there is a demand for, you know, those advanced um workshop advanced topics workshops on, you know, stuff like integration f- with colfusion and flex or colfusion tuning or you know doing arduino hardware with ColdFusion. things you don't get you know in an all day training environment even if you go to yeah. whatever a random training company you will probably get like a fast track or advanced colfusion development but you yeah, don't get those chip. specialist topics and people people definitely want to you know learn more about those things
0: yeah yeah, I had a chat to some of the guys who did the the, the hands on Arduino workshop with uh, Justin McLean, and they had a lot of fun. I still don't know <laughs> what I'd use that for yet, but I still I think that the fact that there's this open source hardware based platform I think is pretty cool.
1: It is really cool. I mean, you know, to put it to, to to bring it together with ColdFusion is probably I don't want to say it's a long shot,
0: but it's <laughs> you know
1: it involves a few things, right? But if yeah. you just look at like Arduino as a platform and developing. Little programs that run on that hardware. Just that alone is actually quite cool. And you, when you know, when you actually spend a bit of time googling for Arduino projects and stuff, mm. people build amazing things. You know, they yeah. put Arduino hardware in their T-shirts, and then the T-shirts get some sort of interactive and it's doing all sorts of crazy stuff when they move their arm or whatever. You know, it's you know, it's not, like... it's not yet there that you have a big commercial value, but I think. You know, with that ubiquitous computing and variable computing, you know, being set to come for years yeah. now, at some <laughs> stage it will happen, ho- hopefully.
0: I like the um the mesh network stuff I've seen in Arduino. Mm, yeah. Uh, apparently, I think some of the more commercial Arduino blocks that for mesh networks can span up to about a kilometer, from what yes. I understand. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, start thinking about, you know, oh, we'll just put a, put a mesh network together, the GPS chip, and... <laughs> Then hook it up to our Coffee servers by you know sending messages backwards and forwards by pretty much any means you could probably think of. You could start doing some pretty fancy stuff, which would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I think so. And even you know relatively basic things like building a little web server hardware for your host you know that you can remotely connect to your home, for example. <laughs> that is, you know, it's reasonably simple actually to do that. You know, That's pretty cool. get a bit of hardware, run a web server on it. It's not rocket science with Arduino.
0: And then I hear some guy named Kai did a Flex 4 workshop that was okay, I suppose.
1: It was okay, yeah. I, I heard <laughs> it was some sort of average, really. <laughs> no, I was quite happy with the outcome, to be honest. You know, yeah. I think people liked it because I tried to provide an introduction for um, ColdFusion developers into Flex, and then with a particular focus on you know, what ColdFusion developers need to know for actually hooking their backends into Flex apps. So, we talked about a lot about remoting and you know how to set up remoting in a nice way that you don't compile all your remoting settings into the Swift, but that you can you know change all that stuff dynamically again, and that's you know that's all that stuff is not rocket science, but it's just a bit hard to find sometimes, and I think people people you really enjoyed you know just having the opportunity to spend a day on that and getting up to speed with all that stuff
0: cool
1: cool, cool. so. With the conference, are we doing it again?
0: We are doing it again. It's in exactly the same place.
1: <laughs> really? What a surprise.
0: <laughs> well, we enjoyed it. We were just like, eh, we we'll just pick it again. Um, it was also handy. Uh, to, I'll talk about this of the internet stuff that had to go on. So that we had the, the internet this year was a lot better. But... Um, the, uh, the IT infrastructure for internet in Australia is, yeah, admittedly not so great. Um, so when we went to the hotel and said, look, we're going to have around 100 people who are going to be accessing the internet all at the same time, they kind of went, yeah, it's not going to work. Um, so what we actually had to do is I actually, actually had to have a, a, lo- a phone line installed in the hotel um, under my name and then we basically bought an ADSL line for a month and uh, so that we, we literally have just a business line in there for a month, so that provided us with our internet. There was no other way of basically going to uh, uh, an ISP and saying, hey, can we just have internet for four days? Um, in fact, originally we were looking at buying a 12-month contract and then cancelling it and, and just basically swallowing the fee. So, I can keep the line there which makes life a lot easier and a little bit more cost effective which is good too, but yeah, great venue and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then what are the dates we're looking at for next year? Oh, that's right.
1: It's um, November seventeenth, 18th, yep. which is a Thursday and a Friday again. Yep. And I could easily see that we are going to do another round of pre-conference workshops on the Wednesday before, but so. that is obviously not really yet confirmed, but we'll, we're will we going to work on that, I think.
0: Indeed, indeed. I think, uh, yeah, at the moment, all signs point to that actually happening, so be surprised if it didn't but yes anything is possible of course yeah. at this point in time
1: um i'm just wondering you know what is the conference going to stay in melbourne forever or are we going to move it to you know new zealand for example at some stage because it's still you know CFOANZ. <laughs> yeah
0: i hear what you're saying um and uh as the person who's met, who's fiscally responsible for the conference uh i'd like to say that uh having it as close to my house as possible i think is a good thing uh <laughs> simply because that gives me less travel time and uh my wife doesn't kill me for being as well as much so uh, i think it's going to stand up yeah so uh, okay it's going to happen <laughs> yeah that's fair
1: enough i guess that is okay on that note um we are probably going to launch a call for speakers quite soon i think maybe Okay. Yeah, maybe in, maybe around okay. mid-March or something like that. Okay, that's good. And, you know, I just want to take the opportunity to announce the call for speakers to come in March. And, you know, if particular people from overseas really take like to take the opportunity to come to Australia and New Zealand for a trip of their lifetime or something like that for a large holiday, yeah. yep. um, we are going to actually run a, um Adobe Creative Camp with three tracks – a small one-day event in Wellington in New Zealand about two weeks before CF objective and ANZ so you know if someone from the US or from Europe or Asia or somewhere you know is interested in coming down for either of those events it would be a very nice way to combine the two do you know spend a few days in New Zealand do some hiking or whatever you want to do and then go over to Australia visit Melbourne attend CF objective or present at CF objective and spend another week in Australia, for example, you know, just some advertisement for potential overseas speakers.
0: <laughs> that works, and, and you know, it's always good to have a tax break when you go on holiday. Exactly. You know. Exactly. So, what's what's your conference about? So, people who aren't who aren't familiar with your conference in Wellington.
1: It's not really a conference. We started doing that as a flash camp about two years yep. ago, and this is the third year. And what we are going to to do is basically we extended. To cater for a wider range of Adobe products, so mm-hmm. it's not just Flash and Flex anymore. It's basically um, there's one track uh, focusing on the design elements, like some Creative Suite yep. tools, um, stuff like ebook publishing. Uh, there's a second track about Flash, Flex, Air, the typical Flash platform stuff, yep. and the third track is, I think, has a working title of um, Enterprise and RIA, which is going to be you know about a variety of things that could be Acrobat that could be running multimedia stuff or flash within PDFs that could be um, lifecycle and connect that could be confusion basically things that you know belong to the backend side of things a bit more which you typically find in an enterprise um, running big systems and trying to achieve a better user experience for you know their internal or external users so it's a three track one-day conference it's fairly casual uh we are basically going to do it in a design school so we get the venue you know on a very quite on a very good deal basically and you know it's on a saturday so everyone can attend really don't have to take time off work and it's a you know very casual relaxed friendly neighborhood conference thingy
0: Technical term, thingy, <laughs> thingy, <laughs> thingy. <laughs> so everyone show up for for Kai's thingy. Yep. Cool. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay. Um,
1: so so much for yeah conferences in you know towards end of the year basically. Yep. There was another. Hmm? Sorry, going. I was going
0: to ask you: Are you planning on attending Max this year?
1: I do actually, yes, okay. and I'm probably going to be my uh, going to book my FS quite soon because the financial year ends in March here, so I have to do it before March. Ah, <laughs> uh,
0: uh, <laughs> interesting. To... Uh, New Zealand financial year ends in March.
1: Yes, uh, the financial year is always first of April to thirty um, first of March of the following year. God, <laughs> it makes it quite interesting, you know. It's <laughs> like in Back in Germany, it was like always the calendar year. And in Aussie, it's like July to end of June. Yeah, yeah, why would you do that?
0: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) People are strange that way. Um, Yeah, speaking of, since we're talking about conferences, just want to bring up, I'm speaking at CF Objective in Minneapolis, Minnesota in uh, May. (laughs) So, I'm doing a couple of talks there, uh, one on AOP for you and me, so talking about aspect-oriented programming, and then I'm also doing a talk on Cold Spring 2, which I'm the lead developer on, uh, just basically doing a bit of show-and-tell on what new features and what fancy stuff uh, is going on. I think by then we'll have a release. It's almost code complete, so that should be good too. So
1: That sounds good, actually. I'm going to... Um... I to, the, to the us in july and i'm going to present at um Settlers conference in kansas city um, it's called dw uh d d2wc and it's a conference about designer and developer workflows cool and it's going to be quite interesting because it's you know from looking at the agenda what other people are doing and, and presenting it's a really really broad conference you yep. know and there, there are sessions on things like fireworks but also on mobile technologies and how to integrate, you know, certain tools in your workflow to make the life easier easier for designers to hand off their stuff to developers and for developers to go back to the designers and get change introduced and things like that. Mm-hmm. So my session will be um, a talk on a variety of mobile platforms and basically okay. a decision on, you know, if you want to go mobile with whatever you have, what do you want to do? Do you want to build apps? Do you want to build content? Do you want to build maybe a flash app or HTML5 web pages that run in Safari on iOS yep. or in, you know, whatever you know phone or platform suits your fancy, basically? And it will be some sort of a an introductory presentation in the different ways to create content for mobile and push it out to mobile users.
0: Cool. That sounds like fun.
1: Yeah, it's quite interesting, and you know, I got into doing that mobile. Stuff a bit during the last year, and it's quite amazing what you can achieve with just simple, you know, web technologies. Cool, pretty much. You know, nowadays, you don't even have to build apps necessarily to get quite cool stuff done.
0: Very cool. Okay, shall we uh probably talk about the big story at the moment, which is uh about Adam and Allison?
1: The big story, oh, yeah, so the end of days. Confusion is going to India. Everything will have an end. <laughs> seriously? Sky's, falling. sky's are you, falling. Are you going there? Uh, You're going there with sky's falling. Gosh, seriously. Yeah. So this the news are basically Adam Lehman and Ellison um, are going to handing off Cold Fusion basically. So they are not going to run product management and product marketing management anymore. Yep. And ColdFusion changes basically its owner so it moves to a new business unit within adobe and that business unit is based in india yep so what's the big story i don't see a problem with that to be honest
0: fair enough i, I think the big story look i i've i've been a long time well i, I i'd like to say friend of adam and, and i've known Alison uh through through the callfusion community as well and um i think adam's had a pretty really good stewardship with callfusion oh totally uh, he's, he's incredibly passionate about the platform and he's done some incredible stuff, you know, including, including, uh, hibernate integration into Cov Fusion, which is my favorite feature ever. Um, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh.
0: it's a good feature and, and I've written articles on it for the ADC and a variety of other places and, you know, it's all good. Um, but, um, yeah, look, I think, I think they've done a, a fantastic job and I think, um, I think it's kind of sad to see them go. Really, at the end of the day, I think it really boils down to it.
1: it, it um, it's totally sad, you know. And like yeah. I totally agree, they ran the whole product marketing and the product management really in a great way. And I think ColdFusion Fusion is on an awesome, you know, or is is looking ahead to an awesome future from my point of view. The, yep. um, you know, when I said basically, what's the big news? I, I don't think it's a problem. That's really kind of- you know what what my feeling is. From from reading a few blog posts and you know seeing how people reacted on Adam's announcement on Twitter, I think there is some sort of that sentiment that people are concerned that you know the product management is not in the US anymore. And the, I can not have know, to laugh at that because that's you know been the uh, way it's been for both of us forever. Exactly. You know, it's like well, seriously, you know, for us, product management was always overseas, and it yeah. was always the most inconvenient. Time zone yeah. to communicate with. To be honest, really. Excuse
0: me, I just attended an ACP meeting at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it
1: was five o'clock for, for me. So, and you know, like, just from that point of view, having the product management and and the development in India in the same is, place at the same in time, the same place and... is actually quite handy for us personally. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think India is about five or six hours back from me, so that will yeah. work quite nicely when they do something in the morning cool afternoon for me, awesome, you know, (laughs) or you can have a beer or something like that already, but, you know, it's, I I see, I obviously see where the US folks are coming from, it's just like, you know, it's
0: just, by having the product manager on their doorstep for a long time, yeah, exactly,
1: and it's just like, you know, different for them now, but then on the other hand, it's, it's just like, you know, like a little bit of a small revenge for the rest of the world, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: funny because it's true. (laughs)
1: So I don't see an issue with that at all, and yeah. um, I th- also think that the move of ColdFusion into that business unit is probably a good thing for yeah. ColFusion. Uh, without you know going into many details here, but I think you know that's a good place for ColFusion, and we'll see quite a few cool things coming out of that team from my point of view.
0: Yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, you know. Change is always scary, especially when you don't know what's coming. We don't. We don't have a new product manager yet, and a new a new marketing manager yet. Um, so I can, you know, that's 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 always a scary thing because it's an unknown, and people don't know what's coming. And that's fair enough. I mean, I've got a lot of. Obviously, we're both we're both Adobe community for professionals, so we've got an inherent bias there. I'll put that out there. Don't mind saying it. Um, so I've got. I think Adobe's got my trust in terms of where they're gonna are going to take it, and the people are going to have to run it. So I'm not. Not too fast there, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. Obviously, uh, there are big plans for Cold Fusion Ten, and from from everything we've heard, yeah, it's a it's a big case of you know go hard or go home, and I think that's a really good thing. But uh, yeah, it should be it should be an interesting time.
1: An interesting- yeah, I agree. and you know I and you're right. You know we are obviously biased, slightly biased at least, being ACPS least. and being involved with the Adobe side of the community. But on the other hand, you know, it's like the the way ColdFusion has, you know, taken over the last few years was really a good way from my point of view. Cold Fusion yeah. 9 was an awesome release with yeah, with, with so many new features and new functionality that really made everyone's life easier. I mean, provided yep. you wanted to use those features. Um, and I, you know, I can see totally cool stuff coming in ColdFusion 10 and I'm really looking forward to that at some stage. Yeah, I...
0: I really like, you know, the the I have seen some comments about, you know, oh they're they're putting confusion out to pasture in India and all that sort of stuff, which I just think is a little bit ridiculous. I mean, if anyone's actually ever met any of the engineering team um, from India, incredibly smart guys, really nice guys, you know, just people who are just willing to talk to you and, and take on your ideas and, and the stuff that they've pushed out is just I mean the complexity behind the ORM integration alone, I mean, come on, seriously, like those are some really groundbreaking stuff. So to try and turn around and say that, oh, it's a a pasture or whatever, I think is a bit ridiculous when, when it's, it's just, you know, it's been handed to some of the most talented people anywhere. I think you could probably even ask for.
1: Well, I no. absolutely agree. You know, when you look, one thing is the, the Indian engineering team is extremely passionate about Cold Fusion. Yeah. So they do really, really cool stuff and they identify with the product. And the other thing is, when you look at the background of some of those guys, you know, have been members of whatever, JEE uh, steering groups and, you know, involved, oh, really? in the, know involved in the JSR process and all that type of stuff. It's really amazing. You have probably, you know, one of the most sophisticated engineering teams in the Java environment sitting there working on Confusion. from my point of view.
0: Fair enough. Actually, I didn't know that about that background. That's very interesting.
1: So yeah, I'm and I'm not worried at all, to be honest. It you know it's sad that basically Adam and Allison, you know, pretty much hand over the stewardship of the product due yeah. to um, combining all those roles in that new business unit. But yeah. you know, regarding the future of Cold Fusion, I'm not really worried at all, to be honest.
0: Yeah. And uh, what was it? I'll just make sure I quote this verbatim. Here we go. I said, uh, he says, Adam says, Adobe's given us an incredible opportunity to tackle some new challenges. So obviously the two of them being taken care of, which is good to hear and wish them both the best of luck, really.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that will be, I think it will be interesting to see in which role we see Adam and Allison coming back.
0: Yeah. It should be good fun.
1: Yep. Wonderful. All right. So um, what is our next topic?
0: Let's look at our piece of paper.
1: Our virtual piece of paper, you mean? Our <laughs> so-called Google document piece of paper.
0: <laughs> okay, I have to bring this up because it's something that's bugging the hell out of me. What, the, what the? I'm not going to say the word. What's up with Oracle and what the hell are they doing with Java?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, Oracle what? and Java. That's a fun, <sighs> fun topic. God,
0: uh, it came to a head for me. I do, I do a lot of stuff with Hudson. Um, if people aren't aware what Hudson is, it, oh, it's not called Hudson anymore, but. Um, Hudson's a continuous integration server uh, for for automating, testing, and building of of projects. And I've been following that very closely, and um, I've I've chatted very briefly on occasion on on IRC with the guy who actually runs it. He sits in the Hudson channel. Um, And basically, what happened was, um, now I should actually make sure I get this right, but from what I understand, for all intents and purposes, um, once Oracle bought Sun, they bought all the trademarks for the names for things for their open source projects one of them was Hudson. So basically Oracle owns the trademark for Hudson as a name, Um, the project itself is open source. And they seem to be doing this across the board and it's really quite strange. And I don't, quite honestly, I don't really get it. Um, uh, Basically, Oracle, sorry, basically, Hudson wanted to change their infrastructure. They wanted to move to GitHub and they wanted to do a bunch of other stuff. And from what I can understand, Oracle pretty much said, well, uh, no, we don't want you doing that for all intents and purposes and no, we're not going to work with you. And they pretty much ended up at one point threatening the author with a, with a lawyer and pretty much telling him, hey, dude, maybe you should work on a different project altogether. Um, so for all intents and purposes, what ended up happening was picked up his toys and said, okay, it's not called Hudson, it's now called Jenkins. We'll put it to a vote to the community and make sure that they're all behind it, which they were. Um, and now Hudson has become Jenkins has been forked off apparently Oracle's still running with Hudson and they've thrown some engineers at it um, but it just honestly it just it just makes me wonder what's their end game with their open source stuff I mean obviously the open source side of things I think Sun had it right you know they, they gave the people a lot of freedom for doing what they wanted to do which meant that you know the more they foster their open source community the more people are going to use Java which then in turn, you know helps out Sun and Oracle seems to have very much a, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine attitude. And and that that really kind of irks me a lot.
1: Yeah, you know, when when Oracle took over Sun, I had the feeling that something like this would happen. Because Oracle is not really extremely well known for, you know, engaging in a very open and friendly way with the open source community. And I think a lot of people had that sentiment that, you know, this could be Become difficult for Java, in, in, at the end of the day, and if I remember correctly, there is also some stuff ongoing between Oracle and Google, that Oracle claims Google uh, violated yeah, yeah. some patents. In, you know when they in built bad. for Android, basically, pretty much. Yeah. You know? and it's it's quite weird. You think like, well, you know, is Oracle out there to just get royalty money for Java? Maybe is Probably. that the the reason why they you know bought Sun to make some money with Java that way, or do they really want to, you know, develop the community and develop Java? I mean, from my point of view, the yeah. real, the good thing is we have Open JDK, you know, and it's yep. moving more, more and more away from that vendor-driven infrastructure. So I'm not really that worried in general about the future of Java. But, um, you know, when you see stuff like Hudson versus Jenkins and all those things going on, it's quite odd. You look at it and think like, what the hell, you know, why would you do that?
0: Yeah, it, it, it doesn't foster goodwill towards Oracle, yep. which, you know, it really just kind of pushes everyone away and says, no, 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 you know, Oracle knows best, and, and not many people appreciate that. Um, though on the interesting flip side, I mean, you look at... Um, yeah, well, I, you look at uh, uh, VirtualBox, They've put out mm-hmm. several releases of that, and apparently they've been very good. Um, I don't know the community very well, so I don't know if they've been having the same troubles. But but then you've also got, you know, the fork of OpenOffice. You've got LibreOffice now as well, where obviously something similar has happened. And, yeah. and that LibreOffice is now, I think, the default in Ubuntu as well, whereas before OpenOffice was. So, you know, Oracle had a huge opportunity there to basically work with those guys and get that happening. And they would have had their branding all over, you know, Ubuntu users all across the world. But it- instead... They just kind of screwed around with it and now they just lost that opportunity, and that's that's not great.
1: Did you have a look recently in what's going on with the MySQL community and Oracle? I because haven't actually, I haven't really followed on that at all.
0: No, I haven't either. Um, uh, yeah, I actually don't think I can't comment on it whatsoever.
1: Okay. Fair enough. But um,
0: yeah, I, yeah, I think it's just. You know what, I think it's honestly old business mentality meets open source mentality, and the two just aren't mixing very well.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that that is a problem that every vendor has, right? I mean, the, there is a huge push towards open source mentality in the across yeah. the whole industry and even across clients, you know, like large organizations and governments and, and, you know, organizations of that size. And I think there are vendors out there who manage to get through that transition better and some others rather worse and oracle seems to really be one of the companies which hasn't got it yet and yes. you know they have to maybe they need to learn the hard way maybe they end up being successful who knows but it's definitely not really a um, a nice environment they are creating for those communities from my point of view
0: yeah yeah anyway so we'll see what happens be it's going to be interesting. Obviously, with whatever happens to Java, it's going to impact what happens to CF. But it's not like Java can really go away. You're right; we have Open JDK. So, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting.
1: Yep, totally. So, what else are we going to talk about? Um, let's have a quick look on our list. All right. So, something I want wanted to briefly mention. Um, I was playing with a new development setup in terms of, you know, versioning Ooh. control and uh, bug-tracking stuff just recently. And I have to say, I really, really like it. That particular system is um, Fogboss and Kiln, which is made by a company in the US called Creek Software, which you might know because um, Joel Spolsky is running that company. Um, and he's a quite famous blogger on joelonsoftware.com. I am. And um, I introduced that system, like, kiln um to a client of mine and it really 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 went well you know so take us take us through what both of those are and and so 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 basically i mean when we maybe we should start at the you know bottom level pretty much and talk about version control briefly okay so one of the big things at the moment is distributed version control yep so people you know finally realized that subversion is nice but it has a bunch of issues. Yep. And um so folks moved on towards Git or towards Mercurial. And that is totally fair enough. But on a technical level those tools are you know, they could they can be daunting for unexperienced developers. For people who are new with that whole version and control setup, basically. And what I found, I mean I was I'm using Git for about a year now yep. for uh, my personal projects as well as in combination with subversion repositories. So I'm just checking, the, checking them out with, you know, Git SVN and then okay, I work yep. locally and push it back into the subversion repository because I can't be bothered to work with subversion anymore, really. Yep. So, um, and that worked quite well. The downside of Git is the tooling from my point of view is still quite poor, the, oh, you, the, have the, you
0: have the command line, you that's have, great. Yeah, you, that.
1: you have the command line, and that's <laughs> fine. Um, I use the command line on OS X, and you use it on Linux. Yeah. Um, but, you know, believe it or not, there's a whole bunch of people out there who are not really happy with using the command line. I don't understand. You, Why not? <laughs> I'm not quite sure if you really want to go there, Mark. But, you know, it's like... I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> but the thing is, it's just a fact. You know, people... There are people who don't like the command line, and I can see why, particularly if you work on Windows, and you're just, the only thing you know, you know, in terms of command line is the Windows, I don't even want to call it shell, that black window thing the in Windows, Google. which yeah. is so bad, which doesn't allow you to do anything, you know, in, no, which is, which is just shockingly bad, basically. You run you Sequin. You could, yes, but, you, know, you know, then know. that involves another step for someone who wants to get into using the command line, actually. And it makes it just, you know, potentially even harder. You know, I'm I'm not justifying either way. <laughs> I'm just saying that's the reality out there, right? That's
0: true. Actually, Git, the Git GUI that comes with Git is not... I don't think it's half bad. I don't think it's it's awful. But it, I don't really use it very much.
1: Yeah, it's... The Git GUI is okay. But the other problem is all the Git tools on Windows are terribly slow. Because oh, the, the way how, oh, the, how the they are built, likes, basically... They are yeah. built against some some libraries, you know, that makes them really, really slow on Windows, and that's a known issue. So, you right. know, if you do a Git SVN and you want to push something back into the Subversion repository, you know, it takes like two minutes or something like that. It's Ooh. Just, just like crazy. The, the,
0: huge, the huge win, I think, for me when I started using Git was the speed. I mean, it's just like push up, pull down, you know, it's crazy fast. Even merging is just insane, and it's just like, actually, you can't hear me snapping, but that's yeah. what I'm doing. Exactly. Um, you know, and that's that's the big thing. I know when I've used Git on Windows, which is very rarely because I'm not usually on Windows. yet, I just I load up Sequel and I do it all through that, and that's actually not normally too bad, but. Yeah, I, I, a little part of me and a very small part of me is kind of laughing inside. You mean basically going? You mean Windows users basically have something a little bit difficult because it wasn't built for their system, uh, which <laughs> is normally the reverse. I've been Linux user for a while now, and it's normally oh, and, oh, there's a really nice piece of software on Windows, but you can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> <Fine>. uh, <laughs> maybe it's a little bigger than a little. Um, so there is that. Yeah I, yeah, I can kind of agree with you on on some of the tooling. I mean. Uh, the the Git client for Eclipse is not fantastic. Um, I think I use it just to just to say, oh yeah, that that file's changed or that file's changed, and it kind of shows me up there and, and some comparison comparison tools um, and history and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, fine. Duh, I like the command line. I've got no problem with it. Yeah, you know, it's...
1: personally, I like it as well. But you know, I realise that not everyone has that opinion, and that's fair enough. So I'll, basically, I'll
0: throw, out, I'll throw out a small opinion there first. I will say. Okay. As a as a developer, I think you should get more comfortable with the command line. I think
1: it's a useful,
0: useful tool. Um, if you're on Windows, actually even check out something like SyncWin and stuff like that because the power you can get in the command line to do really cool things, even little shell scripts and, and, and just even just operations to do stuff that's very cool, I think uh, can be very, very useful. I'll throw that out there.
1: Yeah, okay. I totally support that. But, you know, I... Can see both sides, basically. That's okay. So what Sorry. what happened really? Well, anyway, what happened anyway, is anyway. Back to the topic you're talking about. Back to my <laughs> topic, exactly. Um, what happened is you know the client wasn't really that happy with Git, and that's totally fine. So we looked into other uh, other alternatives, and I started playing with Mercurial, and I did that. You know, I looked at it first, like probably a year back, when I started doing Git, and yep. then just like Git, and put Mercurial to the side, and then now I came back to Mercurial again, and I have to say Mercurial is probably it's really what distributed version control should be. It is super easy. The tooling on on Windows and on Mac and you know in Eclipse integration is really really well done. I love the Mercurial Eclipse plugin. It works so nice. It it integrates into my, you know, my my CF builder. Yeah. Uh, it it's just super easy to to set up. And the workflows remind a lot of people much more to the you know rather simple workflow of of subversion than so we'll, all the compli- we'll, we'll... I mean the workflow is basically similar to Git right you do like okay. pull, you do like a pull and push and stuff yep. from your district from your r- remote repository and then you work locally yep. but the way the tools presented is more like oh you know I just click my one button and all the stuff is taken care of. Or you do a pull from your distributed repository, from your remote end, and you can basically do a fetch that it automatically updates your local repository and your local code base, and it's taking care of all the merges for you. You know, it's.
0: That's like what Git does, though.
1: I know, but you know it's presented in a nicer way, and it's really hard to put that in words. But it's just like a, okay. a smoother approach.
0: So is that is that really a tooling thing, or is that actually like the underlying?
1: I think it's a mix version? of it's a mix of a tooling thing, and it's um, also the documentation. You find really really good documentation on Mercurial, whereas I always f- found it, you know, a bit hard to get some sort of int- good introductory um documentation on git so you find a lot of advanced stuff and 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 again stuff that's, that's really, really funny. Well, well suited for people who love the command line no oh, fair enough but you know it's it's probably a bit of a you know different point of view and depending on where you're coming from towards such a tool mm. you know what you prefer really and i have to say i you know when i did that work with my client i really learned to love mercurial so so much that i now consider to move all my, you know, my personal stuff
0: over to Mercurial
1: as well and to, you know, to Bitbucket Mercurial hosting, basically. Okay. So, and with, you know, on top of Mercurial, there is Kiln and Fogbars. And basically, Kiln is some sort of a server product that manages your Mercurial repositories in your local infrastructure. So, is it
0: like a... mm uh, which we call it like a like a code view tool, like it shows you history and repository changes. Is exactly, that you know, it shows oh, okay, yep. it shows you
1: all that stuff, and you can you know push changes between different repositories. You can set up um, okay. notification hooks or hooks, you know, in whatever way you want, um, and it allows integration if you want with the other tool that company does, which is Fogbars, which is a really really good bug tracker. So you can, you know, get both together. You can get them separately, whatever you want, basically. And that is a platform that, again, also, I really started to like because it makes the management of your development infrastructure actually really quite easy. And I couldn't find any other solution to manage a, you know, your own in-house Mercurial server in such an easy way.
0: Okay. What makes Fogbugs such a nice bug tracker? I've got probably more experienced with something like track or even jira um i'm loving Jira. Oh, yeah but i mean
1: it's just... track track is a nice tool but it's it's shows, free it's it's free and it's quite basic
0: let's be honest track's free and that's why people use it
1: exactly and you know like if you want to have a bit more advanced functionality integration probably Jira would be the better alternative against jira track
0: or is it Jira?
1: oh i don't know jira jira
0: i've always said jira but this is the problem with the internet you can't kind of hear people talk yeah i don't know <laughs>
1: You know, okay. I, I think people will figure it out, whatever you know we say. <laughs> Somebody <laughs>
0: let us know. Uh, I apologize if we've offended anybody.
1: <laughs> yep. And um, I think FogBoss is a very similar solution to to Jira or Jira. You um, know, probably in functionality they um, don't differ that much when you you know when you do a, a, a close comparison. My mm-hmm. my impression is FogBoss is less technical and more focused on making it easy for the user. Whereas okay. in gyra you, you can you know configure all sorts of stuff to the uh, you, yeah, you, to you the millions stuff. level of the yeah. l- deg- degree of of complexity basically and Fogbus is straightforward and, and and again it integrates nicely with that whole mercurial and kiln concept as well yep so you know i i personally really like the platform and there is um a quite good mercurial tutorial uh written by Joel Spolsky as well which is called hginit.com HG in it, because, you know, HG is the chemical symbol for um, Mercurial, obviously. (laughs) Um, You know, and that is actually, or that seems to be what gets people hooked on Mercurial. They come across that tutorial. It takes them, you know, two hours or three hours to work through it. And then they think like, oh, you know, distributed version control is actually quite cool. And it's not... Distributed
0: version control is very cool. And it's not that difficult here. No, it's not. Um... Yeah, I think it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I've I've definitely heard it said before that uh, Git, if you know, if you're doing open source stuff, open source stuff, Git generally tends to be the way to go because you, obviously you've got um, GitHub and all the work that's going on in there. If you if you check out SourceForge, um, you can actually see them going in fairly similar directions in terms of um, enabling users to set up personal Git repositories under their user accounts and mm-hmm. allow them to do forking and stuff like that. So I think there'll be fairly fairly interesting space there. Um, but uh, yeah, and then for enterprise, a lot of people have been saying, you know, enterprise Mercurial is good for enterprise. Um, I'm guessing probably because a lot of the things you're talking about behind the tooling side of things. Uh, but uh, I mean, we—I've uh, been using Git for for commercial projects. I love Git. I think it's awesome. I'm um, a huge fan of it for for quite a while ever since I started using it, and went, "Oh, this is just so much better than SVN. So much better than SVN. Yeah, just the just being able to merge." Just the the, the flexibility of merging the, is the fact
1: is the fact that merging actually works that you don't have it's, to yeah, you, know, you don't have to oh. fear the day after like two months in your own branch that you have to spend like two more weeks just for the merge basically yeah that's really what makes it totally worth using. Git or Mercurial because they work in a very similar way from that. Yeah, you know, from and branch. just
0: being able to go ah, oh, just just little things like I'm gonna, or even just going, oh, you know what, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take this branch and I'm gonna branch off to a test branch and then I'm gonna just merge in some changes and see what happens and then throw it away again and I can do that in two seconds. Like I can so, just do that is just fantastic.
1: Answer me one question: when you when you branch in Git, right? Do you use named branches or do you just you know create another clone of your repository basically?
0: No, no, I use name branches.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Name because branches. in Mercurial you have both, right? A lot yeah. of people work with an approach you where could. they just clone a repository and it's a very common thing in the Mercurial world to do. It's actually the you know a lot of people lots of people say that's best practice. But what I found is and maybe that's because I'm coming from, from Git to Mercurial, yeah. I'm using name branches in Mercurial. And it actually works super well, you know, and for the yeah. For the workflow my client needs, that's actually the better way. Because if you end up having a cloned repository for your branch, particularly when you set up projects in Eclipse, it basically mm. means you have another folder. You have to set up yeah, a new yeah. project, you know, and all the complications that come with that, basically. Yeah. And with a name branch, you always stay in the same repository, basically, and it's so much yeah. easier. You so, I'm, you know, I'm… Switches. I have to say, honestly, you know, even though people say it's not best practice in Mercurial, I haven't come across any major issue with the name branches in Mercurial at all. It just works fine.
0: That would if you yeah if you're cloning your whole repository, assuming it works the same way in Git, um, that, yeah, I, th- I would have thought that would slow down your workflow because you have to set up a new project every time you do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that would that would kind of suck. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're uh, I've been I've been following um. Uh, I can never remember the guy who wrote it. There was a guy who put out an article, basically describing Git Flow, which he uh, he he put together, and it's uh, it's N V I E dot com that I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he called it Git Model. He puts together this. He actually shows uh, a fantastic example of how he basically what he does is on his his master, which is you know your basic. Uh, Basic branch—that's where all the releases go—and then you have a develop, which is where all the development work goes. Um, and then he sets up basically what he co- refers to as like feature branches and release branches and hotfix branches, and, and how he yeah. sets that all up. And it's been fantastic, actually. Um, and there's a whole—he actually has set up a, a project where it's—he um he has a whole bunch of tools, which actually I've never used uh, for what he's now referred to as, as Git Flow. Um, and I've, yeah, I found that fantastic. I've been doing that and Cold Spring's gonna start doing that and I've seen a whole bunch of other people who are using that uh, that think, model. I think actually them. we yeah.
1: should maybe, you know, spend a whole bit of time in a, you know, potential further episode of this podcast and just talk about distributed version control. Because my sure. feeling is a lot of people do not know enough about that yet. Yep. And totally. you know, we I'm should that. really, you know, promote it more. And maybe, you know, talk a bit about integration into tools like CF Builder or yep. Flash Builder, and things like that.
0: Sounds good. I like it. Cool. Next episode. We'll write it down. <laughs>
1: Sweet. So, what else? Um, we wanted to briefly talk about the local community in Australia and New yep. Zealand a little bit, didn't we?
0: Yes, we, yes, we did.
1: So, <laughs> really, I mean, at this stage, I think for you know, for this first episode of the podcast, It's more to make people aware of the fact that we have tons of local user groups in both countries. And, um, you know, just in New Zealand, we've got like two flash groups in Auckland and in Wellington. We've got a creative suite user group here in Wellington. Um, There is a group called Auckland Digital, which is um, dealing with some sort of the creative suite workflows and web development. Up in Auckland, there is an, a so-called enterprise practitioner group in Wellington, which deals with all those topics like lifecycle and connect. You know the the, the large backend um, products in the Adobe technology uh, sphere, and there is tons of stuff going on. And I mean, myself, I'm running the the Flash Platform User Group in Wellington together with um, a guy called Ross Phillips, and. I know there are so many people out there doing Flash and Flex and Air and all those technologies and we would really love to see lots of those people attending user group meetings because just last week we had an awesome presentation um, about hooking the, con- the Kinect into ActionScript and Flex. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> it was really cool. You know, the, the presenter brought basically the Kinect camera up Yep. And, and and plucked it into, into her Mac and then showed all sorts of stuff you can do with it, like you know, face recognition and movement recognition and basically all in action script. And it's really, that's really crazy. cool.
0: That's actually that's very cool. You
1: know, and we have lots of those presentations and you know you end up with a number of people of which I know is not even close to the number of people doing that type of work and using those technologies in our city. And I think it's very similar with all user groups. It doesn't matter if it's New Zealand or Australia, and I mean yep. you've you've run the Cold Fusion user group in Melbourne for quite a while, so it's probably actually that's your... not true. Didn't you?
0: Well, I was co-manager for a little while, and I'm not. Ah. I haven't, I've been for ages. No, I. Uh...
1: I thought you were. You used to be the the manager a while ago. I
0: used to be co-manager. I okay, co-manager. sorry, then I'm totally to be honest. Um, and ah. Oh. At least at least a year ago, if not possibly more, I stepped down and just said, Look, I don't have, unfortunately, I don't have much time for this. I've got doing some other stuff. And um, yeah, it's uh, Steve Honest and uh, Peter Robinson run it in Melbourne now, and they're, they're doing a really good job, actually.
1: But I mean, it's the same experience across all user groups. You always get like, you get probably between, I don't know, five and 30 people, depending on the topic. Yep. That's at least what we get here. And then you think, well, you know, there must be way more people. be out there who use those technologies then we actually get to attend the user group meetings and you know this is just a you know call for action if you have a local user group and you know about it attend it because it's actually good fun and you get probably you know free drinks and a free pizza and a good presentation and um, if you have no clue if there is a user group in your city you can easily find it out by going to groups.adobe.com which is the you know global yep. repository of all the official, official Adobe user groups.
0: I'm looking at literally a map of Australia right now, which has little markers for for the groups across Australia, so it's not exactly hard to find. Oh, look, there's a, an Adobe user group in South Australia, for example, in Adelaide. Yep. So definitely, no, I agree 100%. Um, and it's I always find it interesting as well, running a conference as well, the number of people that show up for a conference but don't show up for a user group meeting. Um.
1: Yeah, I don't
0: know. It's it's, it's You know what? If you go to a conference, people go, this is great. I love meeting with people. This is fantastic. It's a network, blah, blah, blah. There's one of those every month, and it's your local user group. So if you just go to your local user group, you get that experience every month and in a much more intimate environment where you can actually ask more questions and do a lot more interesting things. Um, not to say that you shouldn't go to conferences. I should probably put that out there. <laughs> 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 but but it's, it's definitely something that's ancillary to that and, and – can also, you know, keep that excitement going. Yeah, get to your local user group. There's a lot of good stuff going on there.
1: Exactly. Totally agree. Um, so, yeah, attend your local user group and, you know, the people who run it will be very happy if you show up and show yeah. some commitment.
0: And, you know, if if, if you have a, a situation very much like mine where, you know, my wife's pretty much a graphic designer and I try and tell her about what it is that I do and she just goes, that's great, honey, keep telling me I'm about to fall asleep soon, Um <laughs> it gives you a wonderful environment to just talk shop and and trade ideas and um and and do that sort of stuff with people who actually understand what you do and understand what you 're talking about
1: it's quite uh, interesting you know you, you find that combination quite a lot that you know you have like a extreme geek coding person and then a another person in a relationship who's a bit more like social and creative
0: i 'm social <laughs>
1: mark you know we I think we are we are different from our wives a little uh, bit, and i'm not just meaning like you know in terms of anatomy in terms of just like you know things how we work that's what true. we work on, and what we enjoy working on actually
0: i think I think deep down programmers just want things to be pretty as well
1: I, I actually totally agree, I'm... you know otherwise, if that was not the case. You wouldn't have books like beautiful code out there you know and those 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 discussions where to put the curly brace you know on the same line (laughs) or on the next line (laughs) and all that stuff going on you know like how how many people spend like hours of their lives to reformat code to look good
0: i like my braces on the next line
1: me too i hate it if if people put it on the same line it's just wrong
0: yeah it's just weird I don't get it that's the way I learn it in uni and then that's just, just it looks cleaner I've decided
1: exactly yeah.
0: anyone else who does that is wrong we agree
1: yeah we totally agree
0: good as long as we understand each other <laughs> awesome <laughs> we probably just upset like half of the programming world but that's okay
1: I would actually think we upset more than half of the programming world with that because pretty much all the ActionScript and java developers I know put their curly braces on the same line <sighs> terrible shocking <sighs> fair enough oh gosh so we are already um, in an hour. recording 55 minutes so that's not quite bad for the first try um,
0: we, we do... can probably talk for a lot longer but uh, should, yeah. we, should, we, should we wrap up here I
1: think we should wrap up here um, and just have a look you know if anyone liked our little recording that works and the stuff we talked about and then you know we might do it again at some stage.
0: Well, uh, you want to share some contact details and we'll tell people how they can get in contact with us and give you some feedback and that sort of fun stuff.
1: Totally. I'm um, The easiest way to get hold of me is actually Twitter. So my Twitter um, account is Agent K. Or you can visit my blog, which is bloginblack.de, and you'll also find my little Agent K icon on there. Or you can um, just visit my uh, you know, work-related serious company, company page, which is um, www.ventigo-creative.co.nz.
0: That works. Um, yeah, if you want to reach me, my Twitter handle is neurotic, which is a very immature well, handle that I, I've had since I was 15. I always
1: wondered about <laughs> that, actually. <laughs>
0: Um I started on IRC when I was like fifteen and it first sort of came out and I was looking for a handle and I've been using neurotic ever since and it's stuck and I was like, you know what, there's no point in changing it, you know, I'm sure I'll be a sixty-year-old man still using neurotic as a handle just because I can. Okay. Fair
1: enough.
0: Um so that's yeah, that's where that came from. I don't I don't I don't shy away from that. So yeah, uh neurotic on on uh on Twitter. Um if anyone reads my blog it's www.compoundtheory.com uh, there's a contact me form there as well if you want to drop me an email. Um, that's probably about the best two places to reach me.
1: You're, you're still using email, Mark? I, th- I, I thought st- I thought email is so last decade. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can catch me in there. If you actually want to catch me in real time, um, if anyone's old school and, and likes IRC, there's a, a hash call fusion channel on the DellNet iic network that um, i'm normally on quite often during australian hours and you'll probably find a lot of a bunch of other callfusion guys as well on there um so IRC.dal.net. Uh that's probably another good way of reaching me as well cool there you go.
1: sounds awesome sweet so what are we going to do finally before we wrap up um, what are we going to do with our with a name for our podcast
0: come up with something Okay. So far, it's two guys down under. I'm sure we'll come up with no, something. It's actually
1: two dudes from down under. Oh well, apparently. <laughs> okay, sorry, my bad. So I think we need to come up with something, you know, a bit more sophisticated, probably. And how about Maybe, if, if you
0: know, take uh, submissions from the audience? If anyone has any really cool ideas,
1: that sounds really great. Actually, we should, you know, crowdsource it. Yeah, crowdsource it. Send us, you know, suggestions on Twitter or via email or, or our blogs or whatever. Yep. How how should we name this podcast?
0: Yep. Done, and then we'll pick it. We'll pick our favorite one out of that.
1: Cool. That sounds good. And the winner gets what?
0: A mention on the our podcast. Awesome. Yeah, that's <laughs> a very good point. I think no, that's
1: perfect. That's fine. Wonderful. S- sweet. All right. So that was it then thanks a lot for listening and um we might be back soon
0: wonderful speak to you soon
1: cool see you mark Bye. bye